If someone were afraid of the dentist, maybe they haven't been in a long time, maybe they're embarrassed because they haven't been in a while, I feel like this would be a really safe place for them to go and get the care that they need. At Advanced Dentistry, we get it. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, if you want to learn how IV sedation can change your life, visit NoFearDentist.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey everybody, welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. I'm Allison, and... Oh, God, the other way. Whatever. Riz is sitting next to me, and he's touching everything. <laughs> um, and this is a podcast where we read a horror movie just for you. And just if you're for you. a new listener, Riz is, someone call him a cat. I think of him as a little tiny man in a tuxedo that just runs all over Allison's desk all day. Yes, he is a small furry man who is dressed to the nines, who uh, just sat on my... There he goes. Right. It's like having a dinner guest that wants to put his butthole on your computer. Yes. We've all okay, been there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like every time I throw a party, another guy's like, let me put my butthole on your work stuff. And that's why your parties are legendary, Allison. I know. Uh, Hallie, how you doing? I'm good. It's raining again in beautiful Los Angeles, California. It's really insane. I mean, like, I haven't lived, I've only lived here three years, but boy, it is, it's coming down. And I, I realize I don't have a pet. I've talked uh, at nauseum about getting yes. rats. I, I still am in conversation with myself about that. But I have instead channeled all of my energy into my plants, right? So, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me for a long time. Yeah. And um, in LA, uh, if, you know, if you've been here, if you live here, you know that um, if you break off a piece of a succulent, you can just pot yeah. it and grow a plant. Yes. This has proved to be... <laughs> Perhaps not. Like it is like God's design has created a situation where I'm gone. I've gone insane. Like well, that means I could grow. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, seven right now. But like, but the thing is, a lot of them are succulents. So every time, I, like, I have um, one of these guys right here. Oh, like yeah. um, a little. Uh, oh yeah, a um, burrow's tail. And uh, one of the little. Um, I don't even call these. These little. I just want to eat them. The little um, noblets. Yeah. One of the little novels fell off. I'm like, I could grow a whole goddamn new plant from that. I've done it before. I know. But then it's like, I got to get more pots. I got to get more uh, dirt. And then it's like, to not to what end? either. Wait, what? It's not cheap either. Like, you're like, oh, oh the no. plant is free. And it's like, oh, but the pots and the dirt are dirt not free. for my little babies. It's expensive, Allison. I do that with my pothos plants because they're like the oh, long yeah. vine. Like, I just, I have, I have three like, of these. I got three from work that they them. gave me because they were dying. And they're like, do you want these dying plants? And tried to nurse them back to health. And I said, sure. But that just means I have three gigantic dying pothos plants right now. Yeah. So I keep like trimming mine because it's growing like. A, the perimeter of my apartment. And, uh, but then it's like, then I just like, you know, put it in water until it starts like sprouting and then like plant it again. And I'm like, well, now I just have like more. Yes. <laughs> Not but solving it, any problems. It's, um, I guess it's creating the problem, the problem of joy, Allison. The and what is, joy. what's new with you? What are you joyful about? Or horrified about, I guess. I mean, my internet was out yesterday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., my building. And I was I'm just so like, sorry. well, that's the day. Well, alone with myself at last. By the time my internet was back, it was like 3.30, and I was like, I can't start working now. That's psycho. 
Um, my we, we started recording this late because my internet was out. And there is a moment of real freedom before you realize, I guess yeah. I could go anywhere else and try to yeah. record or well, use internet. I had internet. to do um, some shopping. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just like do that until... Um, and I bought a fabulous uh, suit at Rachel Comey uh, oh, because I'm it. going to the Planned Parenthood Gala on this coming Monday. Oh, awesome. So... Um, that sounds fun. Needed to spend a bunch of money. Um, I oh, this is revealing when we're we're um, recording oh, yes. this on March 10th, but I'm going to Naomi Perrigan's uh, oh, wedding. Naomi to her wonderful uh, husband to be Andy Beckerman, who if you listen to the pod, you'll know she just was our guest for the Megan episode. Yes, iconic. It's March 10th to us, but it's still oh, not. Yes. The end of the month, whenever you're listening to this, I have no idea when in the month it is or when you listen to the podcast. It might not be the day it comes out, but please mark your calendars. Brand new live show coming to you from the internet, uh, Sunday, March 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And obviously, we've got to do the new screen. The new I screen. couldn't be more thrilled because all the reviews that I've seen, even the ones that are mixed, are very positive. Yeah. Which I People was flummoxed by um, since, one, we know allegedly Nev Campbell has not returned. My secret suspicion is that she has returned, but they had well, to bury I, it. Everything I see is like, I can't spoil anything. but And I'm like, she's there. She, but, but I can't I want believe that like, it hasn't come out. I know. And People are being good. Well, you know, and that's the thing is we will be we will be breaking that um, boundary, but it will be later yes. in the month. And also, you only—that's what I was saying about this podcast. You're like, opting you, in. You're opting in. You want to be, have it spoiled. We certainly would never just post spoilers to Twitter on some, or something. Um, but to be fair, I I feel like given how it looks, how out of the box, you know, it's scream in Manhattan, uh, Ghostface takes Manhattan. No, the fact it's gotten good reviews is thrilling. I, I, I genuinely know. can't wait because I could see it being like. Ugh, they tried to do something new. It didn't work. It doesn't land. We're missing the like I just feel like, you know, you take you take the scream out of Woodsboro, but can you take the Woodsboro out of Scream? Well, I mean, we know from um the third film when they right. take uh, Ghostface Ghostface to takes Los LA <laughs> that it is Ghostface a romp. goes to Hollywood. Yeah, it is a romp and a half. Would I say it's scary? I would not. But if that's okay. not what they're going for, the, the reviews I've said like it's they are genuinely have moments of scares. Yes. Which is what is shocking to me. But the last two, I feel like they, they've they kept it pretty close to the vest, like four and yeah. five. Like they played it pretty realistically yeah. in a way that's fun. So we truly can't wait. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go see it this weekend, I think. Oh, that's very exciting. Um, um, so yeah, so get your tickets to the live show at moment.co slash ruined, Sunday, March 26th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, Scream 6. So all right. I guess uh, without further ado... Let's do this. Um, Let's do this. We are continuing continuing our month, which is a month of oft-requested films. And this film is uh, one that I saw in theaters, I believe, and absolutely loved. And that is, of course, 2015's Green Room, written and directed by Jeremy Solner. Solner. Um, and it stars Anton Yelchin, uh, Imogene Poots, Aaliyah Shawkat. And there's a fun, like, celebrity cameo as the villain, not a cameo, he's a huge part of the film, but a huge yeah. celebrity reveal that in the theater was absolutely incredible. Are you going to hold that until we get there? Yes, yeah. Because when you, in the movie, this part, he steps out of a car and you get the moment of like, <gasps> like that's who's the villain okay. in the film? Ooh, Fabulous. it's so good. Oh, that's um, so fun. 
And uh, huge fan of this film. Beautifully shot. Um, Jeremy Solner also did Blue Ruin and Murder Party, which I have not seen. So we'll have to do that for the podcast. That was his first feature. Um, Allison, uh, we always like to have Allison watch the trailer and give us our first reactions. What is your reaction to the trailer for Green Room? I mean, <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. This looks yeah. so scary. Also, like, is this like a neo-Nazi thing? Yeah, I got bad news. It's neo-Nazis. Yeah, I just yeah. like, I caught, like, e- even in the first, like, two seconds, I was like, oh, no. Like, so, like that's scary for everyone, obviously. But, of course, being Jewish, it's always, oh, absolutely. like, an extra level of, like, oh, boy, not again. Um, yeah. And I will say, having been in a lot of terrifying green rooms in my life wow. as a performer, this, uh, chilling. And really I think, chilling. And that is so, we always like to take a baseline scary. That was my question is, how scary do you find the concept of being in a green room with a neo-Nazi? I mean, I think I've done it. <laughs> like, I'm almost positive it's happened. Right, yeah, except, like, now they have hugely successful podcasts and make, like, $80,000 yeah, a month. like, they would never be in a green room with me because they're so famous. But they are um, at the green room at uh, Joe Rogan's new comedy mothership in oh, yeah. beautiful Texas. Anti-cancel culture. Oh, God. Gross. Um, But it is, like, green rooms are this, like, scary space. And I think especially as, like, a woman moving through, like, performing, like, you just are in... They're never set up for women. They're always, like... I just... There's one in particular that's, like, vaguely local to New York that's, like... It's, like, two old busted-up recliners and a bunch of exposed wires. And, like, they're just not nice to the performers, but, like, particularly the women. And you're just in this, like, tiny... You're... It's a very trapped feeling. Yes. Like, it doesn't... Fe- you, are, you are not, like, Celine Dion backstage with, like, right. a throat steamer and full butler service and a dressing room with, like, fabulous lighting. Like, for the most part, for most performers, for most of their careers, <laughs> it's, like, a tiny little prison of, like, varying yeah. degrees of comfort. So, very and scary. Al- and also, if you hook up with any one of those guys you meet there, it will feel like your throat's been steamed. You oh, will 100%. You have to go to the ER. Yeah, you'll, you need to go to a hospital. Um, I will say, so as someone who also did stand-up for a really long time, and God, when I first came out, I was like, maybe I should do stand-up. And it's like, I think I don't, that that part of my brain has yeah. withered. Turned and off. Has turned off. I, I, I have been thinking of myself as like a succulent, like the gay part of my brain survived, so I have to regrow myself. And that part will not allow me to do stand-up anymore. And I yeah, respect that. Well, that's that. very healthy. <laughs> and um, But there is something analogous that this sort of like comes up a lot in the movie, obviously, is sort of like, these are neo-Nazi punks. Right. And it is sort of, not, not that I'm saying that all co- comedians are neo-Nazis, but there is something in comedy where they're like, I, I don't listen, I don't obey anyone. Like, I, I'm on yeah. the edge. It's and about then, like, rule breaking and boundary pushing. But then in reality, at least when we were doing it, like, yeah, what that really means is you have to like suck. Di- I mean, metaphorically, you have to like kiss ass of like, like you have to think Louis CK is the best person in the world. Yeah. So you have to like whiff one fart of his, like it, it's not different. It's just a different set of older white men. You have to like yes. kowtow to. And in this movie, it's the same thing where it's like, you cannot be a neo-Nazi and be punk because you literally are just kowtowing. Like, you're not yeah. outside of it. You are. You created the same system because you can't actually be punk. You can't actually yeah, there's be nothing, free. There's nothing that breaks through. Like, you're not, like, out. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and that's something that comes out of here of, like, um, there is this constant need to be like, I'm I'm breaking the rules. I don't listen to anyone. And then you go to those spaces. It's like, no, no, you just listen to, like, a different white guy than, like— right. 
the white guy that everyone else is listening to. It's the same goddamn system. You just keep recreating yeah. You're it. participating in a very clear hierarchy. It's yeah. just different from the one most people are participating in. Exactly. Um, so before we begin, begin, would you like to guess the twist in Green Room, Allison? Guess the twist. I mean, clearly our villain is a little bit of a twist. Um... I'm going to guess that one of the kids in the band that's being held hostage is a neo-Nazi. Okay, great. Excellent. Because this isn't, is this not like a traditional horror movie where there's going to be a big reveal? So it is going to okay. be about the people. Like, it's it's okay. it's a v- extremely grounded, realistic horror movie. I actually don't know if I would even call this horror. Like, it's billed as horror. Oh. To me, this is more of like an a, like a action drama uh, or mm-hmm. like a thriller. There definitely are moments of horror, but it is a thriller, I would say. Okay, interesting. So I wonder, and not that I think you would want to watch it because there's a lot of neo-Nazis in it, but in terms of <laughs> like- my taste. <laughs> the the yeah. being made to feel horrified. But there are certain moments, and one of them happens like when this band shows up to play at this venue, and it is a moment of like, oh boy, they're really in it now. So let us begin- and we open on a van that has been driven into a cornfield. Great, and great start. A, yeah, oh, you know that your tour is going well when you wake up in your van and it's just in the middle of a cornfield. And we see the band inside wake up. It's Sam, Reese, Pat, and the driver, Tiger. And they all turn on Tiger. They're t- like, Tiger, just why did you just pull over? You were asleep. And so apparently they were driving all night and he was so tired he just kind of veered off the road. And also he left the great. car on because he was asleep. So they are out of gas. Out of gas. They do not have money. This is a punk band from D.C. They're called the Ain't Rights. They are, like, bootlegging it across America, playing punk shows, like, DIY. And it really is, like, shot so beautifully, even, you know, like, before we get into what happens, that it really, I was like, I really do appreciate anyone who's involved in any DIY, like, art scene or any kind of community whatsoever. Like, God, everything is so fucking expensive. And, like, Everything takes so much work. Yeah, and to be, like, young and and make the decision, like, we're just going to do this, there is, like, yeah. the romance of it. And, you know, again, before the events of the film really kick off, it is sort of like, ah, to be young and, you know, like, in love with any kind of music or any kind of art. It is, it's, it's depicted in such a beautiful way, you know? But then there's also, like, at any point in time, your van can go off the fucking road, which is terrifying. And, like, you know none of these kids have health insurance. No, no. I bet there's probably not even car insurance on that van. Yeah, so it's, like, it, it, that is, unfortunately, like, in order for, to pursue art, we make it so impossible that you have to, like, yes. endanger your own physical and mental health to do it. And I'm assuming just swapping chlamydia back and forth. And I don't say that as a critique. Oh, as sure. somebody was part of the comedy scene in Brooklyn. Right. No, it's that was a— not free for all. Yeah, it was a game of telephone at a certain point, you know. <laughs> but they need gas. So uh, Pat, who's played by Anton Yelchin, and Sam, who's played by Leah Shawcat, they hop on his bicycle or their shared bicycle. Because basically we find out they have no money, so they share a bicycle. It's in the back of the van. They all share one cell phone. So, like oh this God. is how the level of like they don't have any fucking money and they bicycle to the nearest open establishment, which is a roller rink that's 11 miles away. Oh, my God. An 11-mile bike ride? I'd be dead. That alone, exactly. They they sneak up to the nearest SUV, and they pull out a hose, and they start siphoning gas. So they have to, like, suck on the hose to, like, draw the gas out. And oh I kept saying, like, I literally just keep imagining these kids, like, being in a car accident, like, 
breaking a limb, making having to make a splint, like not going to a doctor. No, no. stressful. But then you see them, they're driving along like the um, like the Pacific Northwest, like the coast of Oregon, and it's gorgeous. So it's like, that is why you do it. It's like you get to have this, these moments of You're beautiful an art. Uh, it's an adventure. And that's really nice. And I wish these kids, I wish I could just watch a, a movie about these kids making punk music. But that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. So they drive up. They're in like what seems to be northern Oregon. So they're north of Portland. Mm-hmm. And they meet up with a another young man. They're all supposed to be like college age. They meet up with a guy named Tad. And Tad is like d- deep into the punk scene. And that's another thing where it's like, in order to make a scene, and my, I have a tiny experience of this. It was like, really realized it was queer than trying to make a queer community. is like, you got to be on it. So this guy, Tad, is like- I mean, it's a full-time job. Yeah, he's like connecting. Like, so he's like, I don't know you. You're going to stay at my house tonight while I work the night shift. You could listen to my vinyl. You could drink my beer. Like, that's, like, the camaraderie of punks. Of, like, wherever you go to play a punk show, like, everyone's sleeping on each other's sofa. Like, everyone sort of got each other. Again, it's like, why do we make it so hard for people to, like, do anything that's not You should be able to stay in a hotel for a night. Like, the four of you in a hotel room should be doable. Just anything. Not have to siphon gas on other people's tanks. But, (sighs) so, like, they're actually, they're like, oh, great, we get to, like, actually sleep on a couch. And, Tiger's going through Tad's vinyl, and he's like, damn, this guy's legit. Look at all this shit he has. Pat ends up going to bed, and Pat's sort of like our more, little more responsible. Mm-hmm. But the other ones stay up, and they just start to get slammered. And Pat wakes up in the morning just as Tad walks in <laughs> to the apartment. He goes, oh, so you were the first to fall asleep? And he looks in the mirror, and he, they've just drawn, like, dicks all over his face. Of course. of course. And Pat has to dry it off. So the idea of, like, they're in town, basically, they're going to be interviewed by Tad for his college radio station, and then they're going to play a punk show and get paid for it. Like, that's why they drove here. It's happening. Tad is recording their interview that will be then played at a later date for his college radio station. Their interview will also be published in a zine. And And Tad's asking them, like, well, so why do you do what you do? And also he says, like, you don't really have a lot of social media presence, and you you never put your live shows online. Why is that? And that is like a lot of, I think, very insightful, interesting things that I think would resonate for young people where it's like... When you take it all virtual, you lose the texture. You got to be there. The music is time and aggression. Technical wizardry. And it's shared live. And then it's over. I mean, I feel that about stand-up. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, like, being in the room, seeing any kind of performance is so different. And especially, yeah. well, not especially, but like, in my experience, stand-up. Because then you get to actually feel the energy of it. Yeah. And then you you put it, a video of it. It's like, no, you like you can't That's really just perceive it. Yeah, it, it is so different. I was like, that was really interesting. And unfortunately, Allison, that does mean they don't have social media. And oh. if they had social media at least if they had put like say an Instagram story up they might have had a chance to like put some information out yeah. um, at a certain point and Sam um, you know they're talking and interjects like so is this going to come out before the show like like today like should we be promoting the show and Tad says oh well that's a thing um, the, the like the municipal center pulled my permit because the last show um, there was some vomiting and there was some fecal matter. So so there will actually not be a show, but don't worry, I found you another great show. And they're like, okay, good, because we drove okay. fucking 90 miles out of the way. We have no right. fucking gas. And he's like, no, no, don't worry, I got you hooked up. And before they go, he asks them, like, who, what is your desert island band? And they all say um, punk bands. They're like, oh, we live and breathe punk. We're fucking punk. And Tiger, uh, Tiger says, oh, the Misfits, obviously. And they all kind of go around. 
Tad takes them to the show. Allison, and he's like, I got you. You're, you're going to get 50% of the door. You guys will headline. It is a Mexican restaurant. And they're playing for the eight guys who you think would see a punk show at a Mexican restaurant. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. They're all like 19. Not ideal. But also, God bless those guys for showing up, you know, but yes. like, you're not making money here, right? And afterwards, they confront Tad as they're loading up their equipment. And they say, basically, like, all told, and Tad gave them his part of the door. Each person in the band made $6.87. Oh, God. How many times did you get paid for stand-up and it was, like, in ones? <laughs> I I mean, I feel like most, I barely ever got paid for stand-up. Right. Like, yeah. I really, I tapped out. I mean, I definitely got paid, but I kind of tapped out before, I, like, you, where you were at, where you are genuinely, like, we're at, because it is, like, a point where, like, now you're making, you can make real money off of stand-up. Yes. yes. But then for a long time, you're making, like, $20 or something. Yeah, and you're like, there was pizza at the show. Like, okay. There's <laughs> pizza at the show, and then I stole some pizza. That's tomorrow. So really, yeah. I, I, I'm printing Two days money. worth of money and food. <laughs> so Reese, in a rage, grabs Tad and slams him against the door of the Mexican restaurant. And he's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. We don't even have enough gas to drive back to D.C. Because that's kind of what their option is. Like, they do not oh, have boy. money to keep going. So they're going to have to just siphon gas across America from Oregon back to D.C. <laughs> And Ted says, no, no, I can get you an actual gig. My cousin lives sort of down near Portland, and I can get you an actual gig tomorrow. So it's a Sunday matinee gig. And they say, you better you better do it, Tad. Sunday and matinee punk of, show. Wait, wait, say it again. Sunday matinee punk show. Right. Not the best scenario. But I'm like, maybe that is a thing. And also, I do think that there should be more shows that are at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. Yes, That's you what and Jamie I would, Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah, I'm with her, absolutely. Um... And they think, think of him as a poser. Like, you've made all these promises and you have all this expensive vinyl and you are so hooked up. But then when we actually show up, you can't, like, fucked us. Whatever. But I'm like, again, he's 20 years old. I'm sure he's doing, you know, he's trying. Yeah. So he, he, they wait outside his apartment. He runs up and he says, okay. So it's down near Portland, but it's kind of like a rural area. Matinee show. You go on at 3 p.m. You get $350. And they say, okay, okay. all right. That's not nothing. So at least you get back to D.C., and he, then Ted says, all right, I'm going to be honest. I should warn you, it's mostly boots and braces down there. And Tiger says, well, I mean, what are we talking about? Like, skins? They're at every, there's some at every show. And Pat is like, okay, so what are we talking about? Like, what kind of skinheads? Because there, unfortunately, like, there's a long tradition of skinheads and punk, both yes. benevolent, positive, uh, like, actual, I don't want to say actual, like, anarchists, but, like, Punks who are outside the system and critiquing it, or punks who are using the aesthetic to just propagate the same white supremacist, white supremacy. like, garbage that is uh, a part of every yes. culture, you know? And, you know, Ted says, you know, I guess they're right-wing. I guess they're technically—they're so right-wing, they're technically ultra-left, which, like, you don't want to hear that. If that's how far extreme, they're like, I don't actually know what they believe. What that is is not good, Right. You should be able to generally say what these people are about. And yeah. don't worry, we'll find out. But he's like, don't worry, they're not like affiliated with any movements. And his cousin, so Ted's cousin Daniel, who lives down there, he's like, he's a regular guy. I can vouch for him. Just maybe don't bring up politics. Allison, this is where I'm headed out. I'm not fucking going. Yeah. Like, this is already- I don't want to go anywhere where the warning is like, just don't talk about anything that's going on because, like, whatever you feel, they feel differently. Like, I can't, I'm yeah. like, then I'm not going. And I do think, like, that is something probably in the punk scene that does have, again, we have no idea, obviously. You know how we know. live. I don't know one thing about the punk scene. But, like, there is, it's sort of like, I imagine the, like, a lot of spaces where it's like, do you either give up that space to, like, 
racists and skinheads, or right. do you try to like force them out of the scene? You know, and there's yeah. like again a long tradition of that. Yeah. But also Both it's like feel hard and bad. Absolutely. And also like you're not from there. Like it's like if you live there, then like fuck them. I could see being like, I'm gonna go to this show and like play and fuck these motherfuckers. But you're if you're not just in town, you don't know anyone else, that's scary. No, that's very scary. But Sam says, okay, so just to be explicitly clear, these guys aren't burning crosses. And Todd says, no, 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 you'll be good. But again, Todd, Todd, Todd also is not Also, like, from that's there. not the only bar. Like, that, <laughs> like, there's a lot that happens between perfectly normal person and burning crosses that is terrible. And I guess um, at the end of the day, they need money to drive back across America. Right. I, I get, they're desperate and, like, again, yeah. like, also talking about, like, I would avoid that space. I wouldn't do that is a place of privilege. Of oh, being absolutely. Like, well, I don't to even, to do that. To even just say, like, leave and be like, yeah, also, right. again, they're 20 years old. Like, right. oh, leave and get money where? Like, what the fuck are you talking about, right? So we want to be absolutely clear about that. Tad also hands them, like, a hand-drawn poster he made, which has, like, their, like, Ain't Right is the name of their band, and then, like, uh, Cowcatcher is the headlining band. And everyone's like, all right, like, say we will about Tad, but, like, this is a very cool poster. So they take it with them. And they're like, okay, this is, like, a cool, like, a memento or, like, a thing for our yeah. band. Yeah. Um, and Tad's like, I actually would go you go with you, but my cousin's actually, like, he'll meet you, but then he's actually going to come back up and stay with me, and his girlfriend is going to come with him. So I, like, they're coming back here. So it's like a handoff. Yeah. So, um, so the band gets in the van, and they drive through the night, and they're just, like, farting and laughing about it. And they stop to build a fire on the beach, and they, like, drink beers. And again, it's, like, a beautiful little moment in a young person's life. And it's nice to see that they're going to enjoy it because what's about to happen is going to push those memories out of their head really fast. Oh, boy. Um, So they arrive at the venue. It's, like, you know, again, like, 2 p.m., right? They drive past a chained-up gate. And, Allison, they're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, this looks like where I'm from. Like, very green, very beautiful, just pickup trucks, nothing. I don't like it. I was gonna say my first thought was, oh, I wouldn't bring a wouldn't bring a Jewish person out here. No, <laughs> certainly wouldn't. You just don't know what's going on. No, and there's I would say where I grew up, I'm sure there were punks, but we didn't like it's clear like rural Ohio. Like I think there wasn't as many le- there was much leather. The punks weren't turning a look quite as yeah, as, as hard as these people. But they park and there's like a ton of people coming out. It looks like a it's a pretty big music venue in the middle of nowhere. And they park and they meet Cousin Daniel. And right off the bat, Daniel is extremely weird and on edge. And Tiger mentions in passing, like, oh, yeah, I know you're going up to stay with Tad, with your girlfriend. And T- Daniel not only grabs him, he grabs him by the, the throat. Daniel grabs Ooh. Tiger by the throat and says, do not fucking bring that up. Allison, we're not punk. But if someone uh-uh. put their hand on my throat, uh-uh. someone who I just met, Mm-mm. I would go fucking ballistic. I would punch them in the head and, like, kick them in the balls. And there is something where it's like, yeah, like, to be young and to be in a desperate situation, it's like, you can't have totally. boundaries. Like, you're for- you're forced to yeah. pass your- through your boundaries of comfort all the time. So everyone can tell this is fucked up, but it's like being in these spaces with, like, super aggro men especially, I'm sure this is not the most aggressive somebody has act- acted towards them. So, like, Tiger is obviously taken aback, but... They're not going to not play the show, you know? Right. But Pat sees it, and he's really unnerved. So they load in, and the place is popping for 1 p.m. Like, it is full of people who, at a glance, are, like, look like punks. And then if you look right. a little closer, they absolutely all have shaved heads. And Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the name, also, they've got the band's name wrong on the venue. It's, it says the Art Rights instead of the Eight Rights. Um, the venue guy. Disrespectful. Yeah. 
the venue, the guy for the venue, Gabe, shows them the green room, which is a windowless little space with like yeah. a couch and beers. Yeah, like just graffiti on the wall. And of course, a Confederate flag. Yeah. But again, hey, just, hey, we're just putting it up for the ambiance, you know? I guess. Who knows what, yeah. <laughs> and Gabe tells them, sound check in 15, you're on in 20, and do not block the hallway. The owner is a freak about fire safety. So get everything, either in the green room or on stage. And once they close the door, Pat asks Tiger, like, are you okay? I saw Daniel grab you. But Tiger, of course, has to be, like, punk and, like, hardcore. He's like, I don't, you know. Again, a rule about horror, never brush off a throat grab. Yes. That's the first sign of danger. If somebody's grabbing your throat, it should be consensually. And hopefully, if they're grabbing you as hard as as, uh, Daniel did, maybe have a conversation first, you know. I would have a conversation about that. And but they all could tell, and Sam says that sums it up. These guys are fucking creeps, you know. And Reese right. jokes, these guys run a tight ship, except it's a U boat. <laughs> and good. then Pat says, "Hey guys, I've got an idea." Allison, they take the stage, and Sam can see that Pat is now sweating, and tells him, "This was your idea. Don't back the fuck out now." And I'm tell, I'm going to tell everyone here you're Jewish. Allison, they start start their that is so scary. Yeah, I mean, again, to even be in these spaces. Even as a joke. like Yeah. And shout out to any punk who has gone into these spaces and, like, held your ground. I, obviously, we don't know enough about it, but it's like, no. you shouldn't have to seed spaces, but also don't go to this place. I, you know, I guess yeah, it's both. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's but, a like, to be able to make life. that, I imagine, and we'll talk yes. about this in a minute, but it's like, yeah, white supremacy, Christian white supremacy um, pervades every place. So imagine a place where there True. is, like, you could, there are, is this space site of masculine aggression is a place for people to try to like put that into the space. Anywho, Allison, they start playing a punk song so famous even I knew what it was. Nazi punks fuck off by the dead Kennedys. Yeah. So if it wasn't clear if this was a neo-Nazi skinhead bar before, it is now because you see people are literally pissed. People are fucking throwing beer bottles. Why? Well, that's like beer. such a young person's move to exactly. be like, oh, I have 100%. an idea. Let's piss off all these Nazis. 100%. And also, like, it is punk and it is cool. So, it like, is you punk are and right. cool, but you're going to die. Also, there's four of you and like 50, 60 fucking no. skinheads in this bar. No. And they're all like, of course, like, there's some women, but like, it's mostly angry yeah. young white men who start like moving around the crowd. And also, like, again, I'm having, not being punk, but like, People want to dance, and I guess if you're in the punk scene, that means, like, you have to start thrashing around. Like, you can't just, like, you know, dance in place. And uh, if you're, also, if you're a neo-Nazi and you're listening, please don't. And if you are, I just want to let you know, fucking kill yourself. Kill yourself. In, in case there's any question, you're like, ah, should I kill myself? Go ahead, if you're a neo-Nazi. Um, go ahead and kill yourself. And during the song, Pat sees Daniel walk over to a brunette, who we find out later is his girlfriend, Emily. Uh-huh. And hands her a big fat wad of cash. Which you get, you're in a neo-Nazi bar, then people are passing around big old fat wads of cash, Allison. Oh. Uh, that's where I'm like, uh-oh, that's not, uh-oh, whatever, that's Something not really good. bad is going on here. And she's with her friend. As if that wasn't already very obvious. <laughs> yeah, once you have neo-Nazism and money together, well, that's, uh-uh. historically, that's when things start to uh, really hit the fan. Yeah, unravel. Ooh, and so she's with her friend Amber, so, Pat, but again, Pat sees this, but he, you know, doesn't know. Daniel doesn't know what it is. Gabe, the venue guy, also notices this exchange. Somebody else flows a, uh, throws a beer. However, Allison, this is the nature of punk when they start to play their next song, which is called Coronary. 
the neo-Nazis get into it and then everyone just starts like slamming around the pit and yeah, it's just like a good shot. band is a good band. Yeah, it speaks to us across uh, the human experience, unfortunately, <laughs> including the neo-Nazi experience. They shouldn't get to enjoy things. Absolutely, yeah. Their heads should explode the second they feel any sort of happiness. Yes. But there's this beautiful slow motion shot of like, again, this incredible like energy of all these young men like dancing in this like really aggressive way. And it's like they put, uh, there's classical music over it. So it's like, again, shot in this beautiful like reverential way that I thought was really affecting. And also I think like explains why you would do this, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like, right. yeah, this seems like a bad situation, but then when you do play it, it gives this, like you give people this experience yeah, and you get to thing. experience. Exactly. Like that's why you do comedy. That's why either of us write like, it, you, you do get to experience that, which is so gratifying. Allison, they're done, crushed it. They head back to the green room. They find out that all their shit's all already in the hallway. And they're like, what about the fire codes you told us about? Yeah. Um, the bouncer, his name is Big Justin. And he's played by this <laughs> actor, Eric Edelstein, who's in a bunch of stuff. Who is? He's, yeah, I saw him in the trailer. He's like, he's one of those also, like, there's certain um, guys in the air. It's specifically men, I think, that fill this role where, like, Sometimes he plays like the goofiest comedy role ever. Yes. And then sometimes he's the most terrifying, like dark drama. And there's almost nothing in between. It's this like, it's just, there's like three or four guys who like do this. And I'm always like, every time you see them, you're like, whoa, this is so different than the last time I saw you, which was like goofing right. off with in a Hotel bunch of, like, for Dogs. Yeah. yeah. In Hotel for Dogs, Alexander, yeah. the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. He's in Jurassic World. This is the first time I saw him, and I thought he was great. Like, I remember seeing yeah. this thing, they were like, Terrific. that guy's menacing, but, like, very funny and a great actor. Yeah. Um. So he tells him, hey, sorry, we had to clear it out to make room for the headliner, Cowcatcher. Cow and again, Big Justin gets handed a big, fat wad of cash. Okay. But so there's a lot of money moving around. Mo- a lot of money moving around, Allison. A lot of neo-Nazis, a lot of money. Ooh. So he pays the band, they grab their shit, and they're about to head out, almost scot-free, except Sam realizes, shit, I plugged in the phone. We have to get it. It's our only fucking cell phone. Yeah, you do need to get that, actually. Pat, There's like, a lot of things I'd be like, it I doesn't matter. Just move on and leave. Right, if it's a Not charger, we'll figure it out, yeah. Pat says, no problem. And, like, before Big Justin can react, opens the door of the green room and steps inside. He grabs the phone and the charger, he turns... And sees Amber, the blonde from earlier, mm-hmm. and Cowcatcher, which is a group of men who are the next punk band who are going to go up, standing over the dead body of Emily, who is Daniel's girlfriend who just received that wad of cash. Allison, there's a knife buried in her skull <gasps> up to the hilt. Mm. And Amber looks at Pat and says, can you call 911? Like immediately. And Pat starts to dial and makes a call and runs out of the hallway Immediately, Justin and Big Justin and Gabe are on top of him. Yeah. The, seeing this, the other band members run over to be like, what the fuck's going on? And Gabe says, you know, takes the phone and tells Justin, like, to stay with them. We see Gabe walk outside to a trailer. And so there's like a trailer behind the venue. Allison, he walks the trailer and immediately walks back out with something in his pocket. It's, of course, a fucking gun. He and Justin corral the band into the green room. So they're in the green room, not only with the dead body, but with Cowcatcher, the other band, and Amber. Okay. Gabe has the phone, and he sees that— And Gabe is the one—sorry, like, the names are all a little similar. He's the one who, like, set up this gig for them. So um, Gabe is just the guy who works for the venue. The venue. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Yes. So Gabe's just—and then Justin is the bodyguard. The bodyguard, yeah. 
so they kind of corral the guys, and then Gabe has the phone, um, and 911 is calling him back because the call went through. It's calling him back. So he gets it. He steps outside and said, there's been a stabbing. When he returns, Justin asks, did you call Darcy? And Gabe's like, yeah, he's coming. He knows about what happened, but not about this whole shit show, right? Oh, God. Tiger's really like, you can't make us stay here. We didn't do anything wrong. Like, what the fuck is going on? Gabe, unfortunately, has a gun, right? Mm-hmm. And Gabe informs them, you, we aren't keeping you here. You're just staying. And he tells them, I called the cops. The cops are on their way. We will sort all this out. Of course, we know that that is absolutely, I mean, their cops are on the way, but they are not going to be able to sort this out. No. So we see Gabe go back to the trailer where we see Clark, who is the money man of the organization that we're going to find out controls this venue. (sighs) And you better believe it is, of course, a neo-Nazi organization. Yeah, you bet. Because I was also like, who else can afford to have a music video in the middle of fucking nowhere, Oregon? Yeah. Like someone who are making money doing other illegal fucking things. So we see Clark there, who's kind of the money guy, as well as, as we find out, he's the dog trainer. He trains their attack dogs for the organization. Also, like, dogs. I know. Don't bring dogs into it. And there's a lot of dogs, and they're doing a lot of bad stuff, Allison. But we'll get to that in a minute. It's all the dog's fault. And Clark, he's like, hey, can I get $600? And money was like, I just gave you the money to pay the band. And he's like, things have gone awry. Oh, I would say. Yeah. Clark asks, okay, well, do you need anything else? And Gabe replies, a true believer. And Clark says, how about two? Again, you don't, you hate to hear it. Mm-mm. You don't want to hear somebody calling up two true believers, Allison. No. Nope. Nope. Never. Not one. Definitely not two. Meanwhile, back in the green room, everyone's just staying there awkwardly. And Sam says, well, I mean, do we even know if she's actually dead? And I think it's a fair okay. point. Like, it's in her head, yeah. but like, it, there's no blood. Like, she could still be alive if the cops get here. Right. And then uh, one of the cowcatcher performers reaches down and pulls the knife out of Emily's head, but pulls it like it's in so deep that it drags her body along with the force. Oh. And when he pulls out, it just fucking jettisons blood out of the wound. Yeah. And he says, well, there it She's is. Dead. And again, you, you hate to see it and you hate to hear it. It's both seeing the blood and also seeing that somebody would do that then turn to you and say, there it is. Oh, you don't like to see that. You don't like that. Too nonchalant. We also find out, and I'll just say this now, we find out that this person um, who pulled the knife out, his name is Worm with an E, and I did look up the spelling of it. W-E-R-M? Yes, Worm. And I believe he's the front man of Cowcatcher, but I could be wrong. Sure. Um, Could could it be one of the other vital roles? energy, that's for sure. Um, meanwhile, we find out what why Gabe needed two true believers, which is he has paid a pair of creepy identical skinheads, one of which has an 88 tattoo on his hand. Like, they all have, oh like, Nazi God. fucking tattoos, like, in so case it's not scary. clear. And he basically tells them, I'm going to need you, uh, one of you to get stabbed. So when the cops show up, we'll say, well, this is with stabbing. So we're going to make a fictional stabbing I or see. recreate so a stabbing. It's people who are willing to get exactly. injured for this cause. Yeah, Ugh. and, yeah, I know. Ugh. Ugh. So, of course, the cops sh- do show up, but Gabe's like, yeah, sorry, this is a punk show. Somebody got stabbed. These are the two guys. They know, each- they're brothers. Like, they were just drunk. And the cops presumably know about this venue. It was like, yeah, okay, that sounds about right. We're going to get the fuck out of here because we we are terrified of you people. And we're not actually going to do anything. Just then, as the cops arrive, Allison, the owner of the venue, Darcy Banker, shows up. 
He steps out of his car and Allison, what beloved older white male actor is, plays Darcy, do you think? Oh, no. Um, I'll give you a hint. Sci-fi? Patrick Stewart? It is Patrick fucking Stewart, Allison. Oh! Patrick fucking Stewart plays the head of this neo-Nazi organization that controls this Oh, venue. that's so scary. And what I did see him be really terrifying. He's terrifying. And he's also like, everyone else looks like a punk. He has like a like a newsboy hat. Like he's like dressed like an older established man because yeah. like he is, unfortunately, like we live in a country where this kind of stuff does happen. It's like, this is like his cause. A lot yeah. of these people who are part of this are like disaffected, lonely, young men yes. who want Joining community. up for something. This guy is not that. This guy is the head of this monster. And so he has to come in and sort of control everything. Um, which is funny because, like, boy, you, if you think you can control a neo-Nazi organization and have it work out well, again, that's just not what history suggests. I think things no. start to fall apart at a certain point. But what a thrill to see Patrick Stewart. Gabe returns to the green room and says, uh, tells the band Cowcatcher, you are going to leave. The other band says, okay, so we can leave too? What the fuck? Unfortunately, they are still being kept there. Worm uh, goes up to Pat, and, and, and again, it's terrifying. And we're before, as before the cowcatcher leaves, he says, what was the name of your second song, your second to last song? And Pat says, uh, Toxic Evolution. And Worm says, yeah, that's, that's a hard song, man. That's the one I did or two. And then just fucking leaves, oh. leaving the Eight Rights and Amber Still locked in the green room. And Justin, uh, Justin, uh, who is still uh. inside. So Justin, who again is massive, has a gun, locks the fucking door behind them. So they are locked inside with Justin. There is, basically they would have to get through a huge person who is yeah. also armed. Armed, yeah. Um, and then get past a bunch of others, like, you know. Exactly. Um, would, like, had they not left the phone in there and not gone in and seen that scene... Do you think that they were going to let, was the plan to let them just leave? Yeah. Oh, I think they would just let them like play That's like even worse. Like if you were lured there and it was like, we're going to make scapegoats out of you. We're going to use exactly. you as a foil. Like then it's like, oh, you couldn't do anything. But it's like all just like, oh, if we had just had our phone. Exactly. I think it is a totally just like, that's, they probably have bands come play there all the time. They is not, if anything, if anything, having other bands that are not a part of the scene gives them more legitimacy. Like, yeah. it makes, like, oh, yeah, we just run a music venue. Totally. We're clearly laundering money through it. Obviously. But, Why is there so much cash? Well, we'll find out, Allison. And let me I tell mean, you, it's I not bet. a good reason. It was not a good reason at all. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I think, unfortunately, the truth is, yeah, they it was just, like, wrong place, wrong time. Right? Right. Um, Reese, however, Reese is the sort of the loose cannon. And he's in Justin's face screaming, like, demanding to leave. But he's like, you bet all better shut the fuck up. Outside, we see Darcy and Gabe. They're trying to do damage control. They're saying, okay, like, who knows the bands here? Daniel, Tad, did anyone know their location? And that's why I was like, if only they had Instagram stories, they could at least have put, like, the venue. So yeah. when they disappear, you know, or if they were to disappear, Darcy is infur- is furious at Worm, um, but also takes time to take a dig at Gabe for not visiting Worm in prison. He's like, you know, that would have really meant a lot to him. So clearly these are people who have known each other for years. Yeah. And are Through part the of this and downs the idea of that white Dar- supremacy. Right. Like the idea that like essentially like your old, your father figure is mad at you for not visiting your brother in arms and the arms are in white supremacy in prison. Ugh. And Darcy says, do you see a way out of this? And Gabe replies, I mean, for them. 
They go to the back of a van, van and they open it, and someone, another neo-Nazi offers them a bag of hoses. And Darcy what? says, okay, I think this could work. And he says to one of the other goons, is there a no trespassing sign up at the property? And the goon replies, oh, there's a beware of dogs sign. Mm. Darcy says, oh, even better. Meanwhile, in the green room, the band basically is like, there doesn't seem to be any other way out of here. We have to make a run for it. They can't kill all of us, right? I feel like they can. Right, especially if you're locked in a green room. If you if he has five bullets, he could absolutely kill all of you. Right, and you'd have to go by him. And even if you get if if one of you makes it down that hallway, like there's no way you make it beyond that. There also is like um, you don't know what's going on outside. So right, exactly. You don't know. This could be the best time. And we know that Darcy and Gabe are are cooking up what to yes. do. So you, to give them more time is disadvantageous for you. Yes. But, of course, I had to know that in the moment. That's, like, easy for us to say. It's a like a Schrodinger's cat almost. Yeah. But uh, Reese is ready to fucking, you know, again, like, run up against Justin and basically force their way out of it. And Justin pulls his gun on them, is screaming at them. Just as Gabe comes to the door and shouts, Darcy's here. And Justin immediately drops his gun. He's like, oh, my God, why didn't you just tell me? Like, okay, oh, thank God, Darcy will handle it. Like, everyone is so relieved that Darcy has thank arrived. Thank God for Darcy. Oh, Darcy's here. Um, and so Gabe instructs Justin, empty the bullets out of the gun and then give the band the gun as, like, a gesture of good faith. But you keep the bullets. So you cannot harm them, and they know that. Darcy, from the other side of the door, also apologizes profusely and is like, you know, basically like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know how things are in the punk scene. Like, uh, this escalated. We're going to handle this. We are so sorry. We just want you to know, like, my men mishandled this situation, but, like, you are going to be safe. Obviously all bullshit, and they all know that. Like, there's no way this could de-escalate the way that everyone is handling it, right? No, 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 definitely not. But eventually, Pat's basically like, uh, we want the bullets, we will not let you open the door it, it, with just the gun. But they're arguing back and forth, and finally, they Justin hands over the gun, keeping the bullets. The band says through the door, so where are the police? Of Great course, question. the police have already come and fucking gone, you know? Yeah. And Sam says, Pat, do the math, which I thought was a funny <laughs> way to put it. It's like, well, do the math, bitch. The do cops that. aren't coming. But th- So th- now they have a gun, but they have to assume everyone else has a gun. So yes. it's like, should they open the door for Darcy and company while holding a bulletless gun? Or should they stay in the room until the cops, quote unquote, show up? But Justin's there and they don't know this, but a growing pack of neo-Nazis are assembling at the venue. Ugh. This is a lose-lose situation, baby. Yeah. And Darcy tells him through the door, I just want to make sure that no one else gets hurt. There is no way they believe it, fortunately. Luckily, that means they're like, fuck this. So Allison, Reese, and Tiger attack Justin because he no longer has the gun. And Justin's huge, but there are still multiple people and they're able to wrestle him to the ground. And fortunately, it turns out that Reese did wrestling in high school. So he's able to get him into like a leg, I don't know what you call it, where like he has his legs wrapped around Justin's throat. Uh, Yeah, whatever that is. I know what you mean. And his arm bent back. So Justin is incapacitated on the ground. Yes. The others rush over and grab the bullets and load the gun. Okay. Okay. And then they shove the couch in front of the door. And Pat shouts to the door, we are going to stay in the green room until the cops come and that's it. And we have Justin in here. Outside, we are- Not a bad plan. No, exactly. I mean, considering the other options, which are we open the door and absolutely murdered by Patrick Stewart. 
Outside, Gabe says to Darcy, do you think they know? Do you think they know, Allison? No. Okay, do you think they know why we have all this money? Meanwhile, Reese is holding Big Justin in a wrestling grip, grip but eventually lets him, they let him sit up at gunpoint and sit on the on the couch. Yeah. And they're trying to, they're asking Amber, who's obviously like from there, like knows that it. it's like, do you know there's an other way out but the door? She's like, no, dude. There's not even a bathroom in the green room. Oh, God. There's no green windows. <sighs> Allison, I was like this. I mean, truly, like, you could just smell, watching this, you could smell what that yeah. green room would smell like. Yeah. Outside, we see Darcy and Gabe conferring with Clark, the dog trainer. And basically what their plan is, is that they're going to kill the band in the green room, but do it in without bullets. So, like, they'll be stabbed to death or they'll be there'll be some sort of soft tissue um, damage. Yeah. Then they will stage their deaths at the their second location. Kind of, they call it the residence, but sort of like clearly like their compound. Yeah. Stage the death to look like they had crept onto the property to steal gas. Like that's what the hoses were. Yeah. And then were attacked by the neo Nazis guard dogs. They it's have a full this plan, proof plan, so plan. Ready. It's a good plan for them, but like, it's like they were planning that they were going to need to do this. Allison, they may have had to do this in the past. For something. I mean, for somebody. Yeah. Um, but then they started like, okay, we have to move the van. Of course, they don't have the van keys. The van keys are with the band also in the green room. So it's like, oh, right. now we have to like deal with the, all the logistics. And that's why everyone, Darcy keeps looking, everyone looks at Darcy because of like, again, he is the father figure of this organization. But also mm-hmm. he has uh, clearly done this before. Yes. And as he he sort of st- storming through the venue, he points at the, all the like the equipment in the hallway. He's like, that's a fire hazard. <laughs> So they go to find Daniel, again, Tad's cousin, who was there to, like, help the band set up the um, yes. show. Allison, I, unfortunately, he absolutely isn't in the neo-Nazi gang. He is not—Daniel yeah. is just a part of this, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. I figured someone along the chain. Yeah. Which also was like, oh, but then we could figure out, like, oh, he told Tyre to shut up about him going to stay with Tad. And also, like, his car—like, like, he has, like, a really nice new car. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, that was enough to be like, oh, he's, um, he's, he's trying to get out. I think he's trying to get out of there. I think he's going to take some stuff and leave. Ooh. So that was what I sort of picked up and then we'll, we'll find out more about it. But that does mean that Daniel has a little bit more of a complicated relationship with the neo-Nazis, which is good for the band. Yes. And Darcy tells Daniel, we need your help with someone and this will only involve red laces from here on out. And I was trying to read about this. I don't know to the degree in which it was literally true. Reddit had some contradictory info, but I guess there is this real thing where at certain time periods, it seems like maybe it was the UK, that if you were a punk with red laces, that was an indication that you were part of like a neo-Nazi or like Aryan organization. You were part of it. You were part of it. So in this organization, if you have red laces, it means not only like you're a part of it, but you have risen to the ranks of like, we will trust you with something like this. Okay. A true believer, if you will. Okay. Daniel, Daniel's at that point, right? So, which makes sense. Like if Daniel's a red, red laces, that makes sense if he is considering leaving or, you know, try to go stay at his cousin's. He might have some money and have, yeah. Yeah. So like that would be versus like someone who just got there two weeks ago, you know? Right. For example, Gabe is doing a lot of this, but Gabe does not have red laces. So Gabe is sort of, I think, maybe a tryhard. Like, Gabe is, like, yeah. really trying okay, to get me. red laces. <laughs> yeah, like a fucking poser. Um, and I was going to say, I'm, it's insane that punks would have to deal with this, but unfortunately, white Christian supremacy creeps into every fucking community, like every the infection community. it is, so then every community has to constantly work against it. So, of course, it would happen in the punk community. That makes sense. Of course. 
So meanwhile, the band is basically tearing apart the green room to try to figure something out. So they they rip out the light fixture, which gives them like a big piece of metal that they can use it as a weapon. But then once they get through the drop ceiling, it's just like wires and metal. Like they mm-hmm. can't get yeah, up yeah. anywhere. Um, Tiger realizes that he thinks he could see daylight because it's still like late. It's like about to be evening, but like mm-hmm. it was early enough. He's like, I think I see daylight beneath this particular part of the floorboards. So he put he writes a X with a, a Sharpie marker, and they're like, maybe we could try to get through the floorboards to get out of it, sure. uh, get out of here. Amber says that the they're talking to Amber like, so do you have a phone? Like, do you, what do you know? What do you know about this venue? And unfortunately, they also took her phone. So they search Emily's body. They go through Emily's coat. I mean, co- I know. I, I mean, listen, if I was dead, not? I'd want you to look for my phone. You know, yeah. if you need it. If you need to use my phone and I've been stabbed in the head, you could use it. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter. It better to me now. I'm dead. Um, I'm in the ocean with Jesus. <laughs> We're dating. And, and we see she has cigarettes, a lighter, and then a napkin with the words Fleischwolf on it. So that'll come up later. I bet. Um, they also have Big Justin turn out his pockets at gunpoint, looking specifically for a phone. They're like, yeah. if we physically can't get out of this room, some motherfucker has to have a phone in here. And we see, reluctantly, Justin throws out his switchblade under the ground and then his wallet. And finally, he takes out a flip phone and everyone lunges and gasps at the same moment. And Justin snaps it in half and crushes it before they can grab oh. it. Allison, suddenly the lights go out. What would you do? What would you do? I'm out of there. I'm I'm making a run for it, and they can try and kill me, and they probably will, and that's fine. Yeah, I I there's just no other way around it. Like if you feel the longer you're in there, yeah, you're not accomplishing anything. You're just giving them more. Like exactly. you said, like the longer you wait, the more the better the scenario is for them out there. So it's like just like bolt through the door with yes. the gun and just start running until you get to the van and, like, whoever can make it, just fucking leave. Absolutely. That's it. I completely agree. Can yes. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. So everything is plunged into darkness, and Amber, who thinks fast, and she lights a cigarette and gives it to Justin, who does take it and starts smoking it. And she tells Reese, like, just watch the like the the cherry on the cigarette. If it moves in a way you don't like, just shoot him. And Sam says, wow, you're pretty smart for a Nazi. And Amber gives what I think is probably a pretty rote neo-Nazi answer, which is, I'm not a neo-Nazi, but the people who hurt me weren't white. And Pat says, well, it's funny you say that, Amber, because I think we've got a real white problem here tonight. 
And it was just sort of like, oh, one person, and now we're you've become a neo-Nazi? Right. Well, what about all these fucking white people who are about to murder us, murder us here, Amber? Yeah. What about them? What about them? We see the power goes back on, and we realize that it was cut to the venue basically to have everyone else leave. Because people are still there, like, right. trying to, like— Was the know. other band—they were done. No, they were done, they but people were just like drinking yeah. and like bar. just like it was a regular bar again. And so they shut the Darcy shut the power off and, and then says, "Hey, sorry everyone, we've like the generator is acting up. So next Sunday, free drinks two to four. And everyone's like, "Yay!" And then he says, "Allison," which again, fucking chilling. He says, "So remember, the racial advocacy workshop is on Wednesday, unless you hear it differently. And remember, it's not a party; it's a movement." So that's how fucking organized this is. This is not your run-of-the-mill seminars. Five disgusting guys, like, in a basement or whatever. This is, he has been building this. Like, this is his life's work, which is terrifying because there there are those people who are committed to this kind of thing. And in America, it's so scary to think about. Um, So everyone leaves just to, like, get everyone out of there except for, like, the main crew of of Red Laces. Um, And Daniel is sort of, like, assembling everybody Daniel still doesn't know what's going on. So at this point, he does not know who's doing what, what's who right. has been killed, right? So he's just following order, following orders, the things the neo-Nazis love most of all. He's God, just following favorite them. Thing. Um, meanwhile, we see Worm is still there. Like, they got him out of there, and he's wasted, and is kind of acting up. So Darcy has Gabe go get a uh, some packets of heroin out of their safe, Obviously. And he's like, I want Cowcatcher, the band. I I want them to just hole up for a few days until this all blows over. And if we could give them as much heroin so they don't really remember exactly what was happening, I think we should be fine. I mean, horrible, but not the worst idea when it comes to, like, just meeting your own needs. (laughs) Yeah. And, again, he's someone where it's like he was mad at Gabe for not visiting Worm in prison. You know, like, he's like, we'll just have them hole up. And then Gabe looks at the packaging, and it has, like, fake, a fake, um, like, a different fake gang. A gang that's a a black gang. Yeah. And he says, like, why is this here? And basically, it's he says it's, like, plausible deniability. Like, fake packaging. If th- this gets found, they can't trace it back to us. And specifically, we'll blame a black gang. Jesus Christ. But, of course, of course so somebody like this would do. organized and awful. I know. Right? It's like, how do you combat something where it's organized entirely about the most depraved level of hate imaginable? Yeah. It's hard to understand. Uh, very. But— they give the packets to Worm and the rest of Cowcatcher and get and push them out the door. Back in the green room, Tiger has like sort of is trying to start scrabble at the floorboards to try to get to like where he thinks he could see um, daylight. Darcy comes back and says, "Hey everyone, so yeah, so the police did come and go. Um, what can I do to resolve this?" And Amber says, "At this point, see if we could trade the gun for a cell phone." And Sam's like, we're not going to give them a gun. It's like, they have other guns. If they were just going to fire through the door and kill us, they would have done would have done that already. We sure. know they haven't done that because they don't want bullet holes in the body. Right? That's the only right. reason they haven't shot them yet. Right. And we'll see how long they stick to that, that plan, unfortunately. I gotta believe not that long. Yeah. And Darcy says, For all I know, I, I come to my place of business, and there is an out-of-town band locked in a room with an unregistered firearm. Oh, come on! And I, I, maybe there's a hostage, too. Like, I just want the gun out of the equation, everybody. Like, I just want yeah. the gun out of there. It's too dangerous, right? They argue, and Amber's like, fuck that. Just fire through the door. Fuck this. We can't be doing yeah. this. Of course, because she knows the neo-Nazis. Right. And they decide they have no other option. 
So they put Justin back in a sleeper hold. They move the couch away from the door. And it's, they yeah. they empty the gun out so it's not loaded. They open a door a crack and Why threw, did they do that? To Basically to hand off the gun in exchange oh, for a oh, cell to phone. to make the trade. For, okay, got it. Again, we know it's not, that's not really what's going to happen. No, of course. But they're desperate. So they're like, okay, we'll trade the empty gun for a cell phone. As soon as they open the door a crack, Amber can look out and see the red laces. And because she is a neo-Nazi, knows what that means. And she screams, they're killing us. Like, I, if these people are here, oh we're God. fucking dead. Oh, my God. That's so, it's so scary. Like, obviously, you know that the whole time. Yes. Like, they're killing. But, like, to be like, well, it's here. Exactly. It's and again, like, so terrifying. These are, like, just 20-year-olds from D.C. who are just trying to play, play in a band. Music. And so the band tries to jam the door shut. And not only do the Nazis grab the gun out of Pat's hand, they also just start slashing up Pat's arm like horrifically, like deep lacerating cuts to the point where one of uh, Pat's hands is barely hanging on by the tendons. And in the fight, as soon as Justin hears all this, Justin tries to get up. Reese ends up snapping Justin's arm. So they're able to get the door closed, but they they now do not have a a phone or a gun. Pat's arm is fucked to hell and Justin is enraged. So Justin is up and he is about, he's grabs his- He's grabs for his switchblade on the floor. Glad that's and then, still in play. Unfortunately, luckily, Reese is able to put him in a chokehold until he's unconscious. And he, but then he wakes up again and Reese has to choke him out again. And through the door, Darcy Exhausting. tells them, Darcy tells everyone, this will all be over soon. And Sam's panicking, like, how long do you have to choke someone? Like, if, if we keep choking Justin, he's going to keep waking up. Allison, without a word, Amber leans forward with the switchblade and just slits Justin's belly from, like, waist to sternum, killing him. So at this point, basically, Darcy's outside and finally reveals that Emily is in there. Emily and Justin are the hostages. Daniel did not know Emily was in there, and Emily's obviously, like, his girlfriend. I don't know if Mm -hmm. they were official, but, like, clearly they were going to escape together that night. Well, that's not happening. So he knows that she's been stabbed, but the way that Darcy's telling it is that Justin and Emily are alive. So he's like, what the fuck are we doing? We got to get the fuck in there. Mm-mm. Fortunately, of course, Darcy's, you know, I, it's hard to believe as a neo-Nazi not being completely forthcoming with all of his employees. <laughs> but Darcy's thing is like, so not only do we have to be prepared what's happening here, we have to then take the bodies as like as we get them. And be prepared to, like, set up the crime scene at the second location. So, again, he's so massively, he's trying to, like, handle everything at the same time. And, again, there's at least a dozen dedicated true believer neo-Nazis there who are willing to do literally anything. Anything. He says. So, in desperation, they follow Tiger's lead and they smash through the floorboards thinking, like, okay, we can still see this light. Maybe it's a basement. Allison, I don't have to fucking tell you, it's a fucking heroin lab. Of course it is. And that's what this all is about. It's not about them. It's not even about Emily getting stabbed. It's that if they cannot just murder all of these people because then the cops will actually have to do investigate and will find and they're find running this- a huge heroin ring. Yeah, obviously. So, of course, they drop down into the lab. Of course, it's built like a bunker, so they can't just get out like a normal right. door. And Pat is too injured to go down, and, and as Amber drops down, he's Are like, there people in the lab? No. No, there's no one there right now, yeah. And he, Pat tells Amber as she drops down, like, I'm sorry about your friend. But she doesn't say anything. 
So they cannot get out, Allison, but they do find a roll of duct tape. So when they come back up, they kind of duct tape Pat's arm together, which okay. is, hey, best you could do. You something. know, at least it's kind of put it's together something. again. something. It's not hanging off. Yeah. And Pat's like, they cannot just kill it, kill us. That would draw attention, like, to the lab, but that, but they still are going to kill us, which means we have to be found dead. So it's like, whatever's going to happen, they, they're not going to just come in and shoot us. It's going to be fucking horrible. Yeah. And he tells this amazing story about like going to somebody's bachelor party and playing um, paintball with like a team of ex-Marines that happened to be there. And everyone's like, okay, dude, cool. Fun. I don't know if this is like helpful in this moment. And so they decide, which we just said, they're going to unlock the door and fucking run for it. Like there's yeah. nothing. What could you do? This and is they, it. And they all grab like makeshift, we- makeshift weapons. Like Tiger grabs like the big piece of metal. They pulled out a light fixture. Um... Sam grabs, like, one of those long tube light bulbs and then smashes it so it's a jagged point. Great. Smart. And before they go, Sam says, okay, I'm going to be honest. My desert island band was Simon and Garfunkel. It's not anything cool or punk. And they all go butt down. It's like, Reese is like, mine is, mine is Prince. Tiger said, still the misfits. Amber says, I would say Madonna and Slayer. And they turn to Pat. Pat's like, I can't really think right now. I yeah, can't my answer hand the question. Duct taped to my arm. So I'm pretty much focused on that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they don't know what the Nazis are doing, which is basically like the Nazis are now surrounding the building and waiting for them to come out. They're very yeah. smart, Allison. So they open the door and, and it, I get a, a fantastic idea. Sam hurls the light tube so the jagged glass tube would hit someone if they were standing there. There's no one there. So now, now they're it's... walking through the completely pitch dark venue. Allison Clark appears at the entrance near the exit sign and then six a train, train pit bull on them. No. The pit bull immediately takes down Tiger and rips out Tiger's throat, killing him. Oh. Reese, everyone scatters, screaming. Reese runs to the kitchen, is able to get a window open. He jumps out. He is then immediately stabbed by a smiling skinhead uh. until Gabe pulls the skinhead off. It's like, okay, we don't have to do that, all that to the body. Reese is, Reese is, he's barely alive, but he is dying. Like, he will be dead in minutes, and he ends up being dead. But again, stabbed to death by a smiling fucking skinhead. No, that's like the most horrific. That's one of the most horrific deaths just yeah. like in terms of the context that we've had on the on the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's um that that in the end of Speak No Evil. Remember yes. when they're yeah. Yep. Um so uh Sam is able to gra- is attacked by a Nazi but is able to um grab a fire extinguisher and blast it in his face enough to like run back to the green room. And then the attack dog attacks Amber next. She eats, sinks its teeth into her leg and she grabs the mic stand and it creates this intense feedback and the noise drives the dog away. Okay. Which is good. It's good to hear. So the dog is driven away and Pat on the floor says, uh, sees a set list with the name Fleischwolf on it, which we also saw in the that note was on in the Amber's, napkin in her pocket. Okay. In, yeah, sorry, in Emily's pocket. He grabs it and takes it with him. And so the only ones still left are Sam, Amber, and Pat. And they all have to reconvene in the green room. They, they're back where they started. <sighs> um, outside, Darcy's like, could we just send in multiple dogs already? And Clark says, well, you have to shut off the feedback because it scares the dogs. And no, they're fighting dogs. You can't have two of them in there. What the fuck are you going to think they're going to do? You know? Yeah. Um, Daniel, however, is furious. And Daniel's like, "My," he didn't say it. I don't think... I don't think they, he was supposed to be dating Emily. I'm not sure what the gender Rules politics are. are when there's one woman and everyone else is an insane man. Like, I don't know what <laughs> whether you're allowed to date or what the situation is. But he's like, let me fucking go in there myself. 
and I will take care of shit. And Darcy says, sloppy is fine, but do not cut the bone. And so Daniel and his other fucking skinhead goon, Jonathan, head in. And Daniel's like, I'm going to kill these people. If they have Emily in there, if they've hurt her, I will fucking kill I will fucking kill them. You're going to be pretty disappointed, bro. Yeah. They break down the door of the green room. Sam drops down into the heroin lab to hide. So they're just squaring off against Pat and Amber. And Daniel says, where the fuck is Emily? He pulls the sheet off of her body. And he demands to know who killed her. Amber said, bitch, it was Worm. And he stabbed her when he found out that she was leaving with you. So they know. Allison, who it will survive? Who will survive? Okay, list to me who's left because there was just a lot of death. Totally. So we have Pat, who's from the Ain't Rights. We have He's Amber, die. who's friends with Emily and is part of the neo-Nazis, but is on our side now. Yeah. Daniel, who, again, is cousins with Tad, or no, is going Daniel's to leave the die. neo-Nazis. Yeah. Daniel's going to die. Um, And then um, Clark, the dog trainer. He's going to die. Gabe, the venue guy, who really wants to be a red lace guy. I feel like he's going to survive and, like, try and be in charge of what's left. And then Darcy, um, Patrick Stewart, the head, the head of head of it all. He needs to die. Yeah. And so do you think and both Sam. Pat? Oh, and Sam. And Sam. Do you think Sam's down Pat, in the lab? Okay. Yes, we have Sam, Pat, and Amber. Who of those do you think is getting out of here I think, alive? Mm, I think Sam will survive. Pat and Amber will both die, but towards the end, and that um the tryhard guy will survive to kind of, like, try and rebuild. Great. Okay. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like, really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are, too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Amber says, like the word Fleischwolf, that was when that song played in the Cowcatcher set, that was their signal to leave. They were going to leave this life behind. And Daniel realizes, like, oh, okay. oh, God, everyone knew. Like, I, and, but then, like, uh, well, no, sorry. She knew, Amber knew, um, Darcy did not know. So at the same okay. time, they're having this conversation. Darcy is realizing what we're Learning. realizing. 
Okay. And he looks over at Daniel's car and he's able to like find Daniel's keys inside. He opens up the trunk. It's all of Daniel's shit packed into luggage. Yeah. Not only that, Allison, he pulls out, it is a wrapped baseball bat covered in blood. And Darcy says to Gabe, this was supposed to be disposed of after Easter last year. The implication being, one, this baseball bat was used to murder someone. Two, Emily and Daniel were going to the feds. Like, they were not only leaving. They they weren't just leaving. They were burning the whole thing down. Exactly. Good for them. I know, and it's like, oh, well, you do feel bad for Emily then. Like, well, no wonder you didn't want anyone to fucking find out about this. Yeah. Um, And then he says, you know, Gabe, Worm really was our saving grace. Like, if he hadn't stabbed Emily, we would never have known that they were going to do this. So really, Worm is a hero. And that's the first time Gabe's like, ooh, I don't think that's, I don't know if I agree with that. Worm murdered that woman we all know what is part of this. You know, so it's sort of like, that's even as a neo-Nazi, that's right. his first moment of like, there's oh, a line. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Inside, um, Amber, Pat, and Daniel then go with Sam into the heroin lab. And they're like, Daniel, do you have any idea how to get the fuck out of here? Because now at this point, Daniel's like, yeah, fuck it. I I I okay. if Emily if Emily's dead, then fuck these people. They killed her. Okay. You know, I'm with I'm you glad guys. That that's the pivot. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jonathan, his compatriot, his neo skinhead compatriot, has run back out to tell Darcy everything that's happened. So Darcy, at this point, just starts handing out weapons to the rest of his goons. It was like, go ahead and shoot them if you have to. Keep the clusters close together because you'll be digging out the the, the bullets yourself. So if you have to shoot them to kill them, oh, fucking do it. But, is, like, please, be, please know that that's what's going to happen. Uh, is any kind of any life worth having to do that? Like, I obviously, know. like, this is already, like, it's like this is a life based on hate and discrimination and yeah. violence or whatever. But it's like. Boy, you have to really hate everyone who isn't a straight white guy to do that. Yeah. And I guess we're sort of thinking like Daniel and Gabe, like there are people in the, like do get to the point where it's like, oh, we should be doing this. But it's like that point seems to be only when someone is brutally murdered. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah. But so Darcy's handing out um, all these weapons, but Daniel says, okay, there's no way to get out of this bunker. We're going to have to go back out and try to get out of the green room again. So Daniel leads the green room. And he's like, let me go. There's a gun behind the bar. Let me go get it. Allison, Daniel steps behind the bar and is immediately shot in the head by a skinhead coming in the front door. And that is a fucking, it is a free-for-all. Pat ends up slashing the throat of a Nazi, the, the Nazi that shot Daniel. Like, it is just a fucking melee. Again, it's still pitch dark in there. And every time they try to make progress, but they can't do it, Amber ends up getting her hands on a, one of the Nazi shotguns. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she's like, we're going out the front fucking door. Let's do it. So it's Amber, Sam, and Pat. They get out the front door. Amber is immediately shot in the leg. There's like four neo-Nazis just standing there. And of Sam course. is taken down by the attack dog who disembowels her, Allison. No! Allison, Pat grabs Amber, who is now wounded but alive, and they head back to, you guessed it, the green room. They can't get out of this fucking this building. fucking green room. And they lock the door, and Amber says, honestly, I feel lucky because at least they're going to shoot me. Whatever they're going to do to you, man, they're going to sick the dogs on you. And I, I do agree, if I had to be between being shot and be disemboweled by shoot an attack me. dog, shoot me, baby. Any shoot day of the baby. week, shoot me. And then she's, they're kind of like, they're both so incredibly injured and like losing blood and look horrible. And, and he, she tells him, I'm sorry I didn't listen to your dumb paintball story. Do you want to tell me the rest of it? Because he got, he got cut off. Yeah. And he's like, we were getting slaughtered by these Iraq vets. 
They knew real war, and they played real war. Hand signals flanking just wiped us all out. And the only way we could win is his friend Rick got fed up and said, fuck it, ran out and just started wiping out their whole team because he was no longer afraid to die. (laughs) And Amber says, well, sure, but we're up against real guns. Right. And he's like, yeah, and you can't play real war. And she picks up the Sharpie and she tells him, you know what, let's pretend. So I think they're like, yeah, let's fucking go out in a blaze of glory, man. I'm like, what else can you do? What, are you going to wait? Like, you're just prolonging this nightmare. Like, you're not, Yeah. like, just do it. So in his office, Darcy tells Gabe, you've earned these, and finally gives Gabe a pair of red laces. Again, we see Gabe has, like, at least a moment of, fuck, like, what did I, the things I've done to do this. Yeah. And Gabe says, do you think, like, I mean, we're doing this, but, like, do you, I think he's starting to be like, are you, basically, are you going to kill Worm and the other cow catchers, too? Yeah. And he says, like, do you think Worm and the cow catchers will be a problem? And Darcy says, that's the thing. There's this bad batch of heroin going around. And, boy, it'd be real shame if, if they got their hands on it. Like, you know, but that, oh. you know them, like, Worm has such bad habits. Ergo, Dar- Darcy just poisoned their heroin. Like, yeah. he gave that to Worm and the other cow catchers specifically to kill them so in a that way that can't die. be traced back. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, oh, they OD'd, or they got bad heroin, but, like, you know. Right, there's no way to, it, it, yeah. yeah. And, again, the cops are not investigating. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, uh, we don't want to get involved in this. You know? Yeah. So, Jonathan and another skinhead go back to the green room, again, to try to take on Amber and Pat. But Amber and Pat have learned a few things. And they turn on the feedback incredibly loud. So the at least the attack dog can't we'll stay away. Yeah. Yeah. And the attack dog not only that runs out the front door and then runs into the woods. So we see this attack dog run and keep going. And the skinheads are telling each other, like, don't tell Darcy or Clark we fucked up and lost the dog. Like, don't tell him we just did that. They get to the green room and they see Pat standing, staring at the wall. And he turns around and his face is covered in Sharpie and sort of like a camo motif. Yeah. And he tells them, I'm Odin himself. And then he drops down into the heroin lab, screaming and branching the piece of metal from the, um, the like, the ceiling the light. light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a machete just fucking screaming. So now it's like, oh, one of these or both these Nazis are going to have to go into, they are now vulnerable. And yes. he's acting insane. For, like, the first time. Yeah. And so Jonathan's like, God damn it. But Jonathan has, the Nazi, has the shotgun. So he's like, all right, let's fucking do this. Jonathan drops down. and But when he looks back up, his Nazi compatriot's looking down, Amber steps out and slits the other Nazi's throat yes. over the hole. Yes. And so Jonathan starts firing at her, like, one, then another. And Amber's screaming. He has two shots left and then sprays a fire extinguisher into the hole so that the um, bunker is all cloudy. Yes. And then a body drops down the hole and Jonathan shoots it again, but it's Emily's corpse. So they're doing a lot of different tactics that are I mean, very smart. This is some incredible yeah. defensive, like, exactly. I couldn't, could it be me? <laughs> And then, so there's one shot left, and Pat has nothing to lose. So Pat, like, leaps out of the ether, and he and Jonathan are just fucking grappling for it. And Jonathan is so involved in the fight that he doesn't see Amber has taken the handgun from his fellow Nazi, walks up behind him, and then just shoots him in the fucking back of the head. Yes, yes, yes. And then, so now Amber and Pat, they're like, fuck it, let's do this. And as they get back up, they run into Gabe. And Gabe is standing there, and he's wearing an apron. I think the implication is, like, he is going to be in charge of, like, disposing of all of the bodies. Like, he's going to have to, like, be physically involved. It's a nightmare. And that is the thing that has broken him. And he says to them, if I had known, like, if I had known that this is what it was, 
I mean, what did you think it was? Exactly. A book club? I mean, but I guess they lie to you. I mean, like, they must yeah, tell course, you some compelling things, obviously, because this keeps happening. Like, there right. has to be some part of the human brain that, like, doesn't, cannot see that this is what happens every yeah. fucking time. Especially people who are, like, feel like they have no community, who feel like they've been, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I understand how it happens, but, but like, but bro, the foundation that this is based on is just a genocidal government machine. Like, it's like, yes. of course people are going to die. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So, um... So and he tells them, I don't want to go to jail. So basically, uh, he's going to be their cover. So Gabe walks in front of them. They have the shotgun, and they walk him out of the building. Basically, be like, he's now our our hostage, right? Yeah. Allison, they go out of the building. There's nobody else there. Everyone has gone over to the residence to help stage the bodies. And every Nazi that was there, they have now killed. Yeah. So like all the red laces that were sent to dispatch them, are dead, dead. and then Darcy and Clark and, like, the higher, like, those people are over at the place. Yeah. And so they're going to, they're, like, take us to the compound. I would have ran away and left. Ran. But I think we're to think that Pat and Amber are so far gone, and Pat really just, like, wants revenge for the band. Yeah. Yeah. So they see Gabe, we, like, they take Gabe at gunpoint, and he walks them to the compound, which is pretty close by. And we also see the attack dog that's running in the woods now, like, has, like, a chain, but, like, the attack dog's just loose in the woods, running around. That's fun. Um, And they're about to enter this compound, and Pat says to Amber, you don't have to come. Like, I have, all my friends are here. But again, it's like, she's like, my friend died. I, I fuck these guys. Yeah. And they walk up, they see a Nazi parking their band van on the compound, and they demand his gun. And they, again, put him at gunpoint. They let Gabe go. And I think we're like, go call the cops. Mm-hmm. And I think we're to think that Pat is the one who just, he, it is his hesitance to kill. He couldn't have just killed Gabe, especially because he came, Gabe was said to them, like, I didn't understand. I don't want to go to jail, but I will yeah. show you. the Like, he couldn't just shoot him, right? Yeah. Amber is in a different space, but they let Gabe go. So we also are seeing Gabe walk through trying to find the road to try to actually, like, call the police. As they walk, they manage to take this Nazi, and they get to the part where they basically find all of their bodies, the, the bodies of their friends. So their bodies yeah. are just laid out, oh, and they're going to be disposed of. And they see Clark's there, the dog guy, some random Nazi and we see finally the setup, and Pat realizes, oh, they were going to stage it like it was our fault. They were going to pin it on us. They were saying that yeah. we were going to siphon gas so that, like, the dog, like, we were allowed to be killed. Yeah. And who's putting together the setup, Allison? It is Darcy. Obviously. Clark tries to interrupt them, and Amber just fucking shoots him. Great. Pat turns and says, Are we doing that? And Amber, who again is like glassy eyed, says, Why else would we have come up here? But again, like, Pat yeah. is still a good person. Yeah. I don't know if I should. And he says, this is a nightmare. And Darcy says, for us all. And Amber replies, tell me that those fucking stupid words are his last. Allison, Darcy turns to walk away from them. And his, like, little attack, the other Nazi lunges at them. Amber shoots the other Nazi. Yeah. Darcy turns to fire back. And then they're just in a fucking firefight. He hits the vehicle, and finally, Pat shoots him directly in his head. Yeah. And he collapses. Good. Good. And they go to stand over his body. We see Gabe make it over to the road, and he finds someone to call the police. We see the worm and the other cow catchers ha- are dying of bad heroin. 
We see Tad, this is how we see Tad cleaning, like vacuuming his rug for, he still thinks his cousin is coming. He doesn't know all this. He's vacuuming for Daniel and Emily and both of them are dead. And we see Pat and Amber sort of collapse near the van and we hear on the radio, the uh, the band's interview with Tad is playing on the radio. And they both pull their guns out as something approaches and it's the loose attack dog. And the dog just walks past them over to Clark's dead body and, like, nudges it and lays down next to Clark. And Amber and Pat just sort of stare in the middle distance, and Pat says, you know what? I think I know what my desert island band is. And Amber replies, tell someone who gives a shit. And that's (laughs) the end. The green room. Allison, what are some fatal mistakes you think some people may have made in the movie The Green Room? I mean, I hate to put it on the band at all, but, like, taking a gig where you don't know where you are, what's happening, like, the second you kind of realize, like, ah, it's fucking skinheads, just, like, turn around and get out of there, and there are a million other ways to get money that don't involve, like, putting yourself in that kind of danger, I would hope. It's just so hard, and I mean— They were—I mean, they had no choice, I get that, but, like, obviously that was, like, what led— yeah. I guess it's just so hard to um, know. It's like all of that would have been okay had they not witnessed a crime, but I guess they would not have witnessed a crime if they hadn't been there. If they hadn't been there. Right, and it's like, and it sucks that it was like, oh, it was just the phone being in the group. But it's like, where else? You needed to charge the phone while you were playing. That was going to happen in the green room and not like on stage. Like, it's like all those things. But it's just, uh, oh, God. And then, I mean, once things were really going, I guess if they had tried to make a run for it just early on, I feel like maybe someone could have made it, but... Yeah. Everyone still would have ended up dying, and at least this way, a bunch of fucking Nazis also died. I was going to say, that's the that was the fatal mistake, is being a fucking Nazi. Yes. I don't know how you could be a Nazi and not see... Oh. Mm. I don't know how you could be a Nazi... And not see how things are going to end up for you based on history. Yeah. You don't, like, retire with a gold watch and you're like, wow, we really did something. Like, it's not like— Yeah, you retire to a bunker with a bullet in your fucking head. Yeah. As you should. Yes. So, that's something to think about. Again, I can't imagine the neo-Nazi listenership is high on our pod. No, I would hope it's zero. Um, Yeah. And it will be after you kill yourself, so— If it's not, um, it, it better be soon, so. Yeah. All right, um, and then finally, where would you put Green Room on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I mean, I think, like, the realness of all of this, both, like, in it being just like, oh, we're just in this green room, we're just on this, like, you know, it is just neo-Nazis are fucking real. Like, yeah, this this doesn't happen, but, like, this happens, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So I think, like, a, like, a, a seven for me. Yeah, I feel like it is more of a um, action movie or a thriller. Definitely. Or, I mean, I guess like a drama because it is about the action. But yeah, like the moments of realization of what's going on, the yeah. moment when they play Nazi punks fuck off. But it's also like it's thrilling. Like yeah. you are thrilled that they're doing It do- feels like psychological that. action thriller. Yeah. So I would say I didn't find it scary or spooky. Mm-hmm. But I, I really enjoyed it. I love this movie. I loved it yeah. the first time I saw it. I loved it again. An incredible film. Um, in terms of scary, yeah. I'll go five. I'll go five. Okay. You know? That seems fair. 
Yeah, um, but definitely worth the watch. And I just think mm-hmm. if you're someone who is more like, oh, I can't watch supernatural stuff or I can't like handle yeah. the tension of a horror, this wouldn't be an issue for the Yeah, you. this I feels mean, it's, like it's like bam, bam, like a lot of stuff happening, but like the stuff that's happening is really awful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, what a, what a phenomenal film. And thank you Amazing. so much for listening and yes. telling Come us. Come to the live show, uh, March 20, Sunday, March 26th, 7 p.m., 4 p.m. And uh, momenthouse.co slash ruined for those tickets because we got to talk about the new Scream. Oh, we got to. Um, yeah, we're excited to see you guys there. In the meantime, uh, we love you very much. And please, if you can, just... Keep it spooky. Please keep it spooky. Please. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa.